Welcome to this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Update, which is being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. And we are on the show floor of Commodity Classic that's been taking place this week in New Orleans. Lots of things to look at as we know the interesting the balance sheet from the reports this week. We're going to talk fertilizer issues. We're also going to take a look at what's been happening globally with the wheat, the issues with Ukraine and Russia, and what does this mean for food shortages? Is it a concern or is it something we should be thinking about? As you can see, we've got two great guys that are going to be joining us here in just a moment. It may be small, but this little bean fuels a lot of power. It powers a food industry as a top source of protein. It's a fuel that powers diesel engines with fewer emissions. It powers a state economy and bottom lines. And it powers the rest of the world as a top Nebraska export. Yeah, it may be small, but we're finding more ways for this little bean to power Nebraska. And welcome back now as we bring in Jim McCormick and Brian Split there with AgMarket.net. We are in their booth here at Commodity Classic. And let's start out. Brian, I want to talk to you about this balance sheet. Uh, we saw the report earlier this week. Uh, what are you thinking on the numbers and as we move forward? Thanks, Susan. So I think uh, when we look at the, the balance sheet, the way the USDA presented it, um, not very big deviations from the expectations from the trade. Uh, we did see the ending stocks come down for both corn and soybeans, uh, very close to what the trade was looking for. But uh, when you dive a little bit deeper into the numbers and you look at the global balance sheets for soybeans, for example, uh, we have seen a tremendous amount of production that's been taken off the balance sheet just since January. Um, and the USDA is doing an awful lot of work reducing demand to make it look like the global balance sheets uh, aren't tightening up as much as we think that they are. And uh, when you look at the export sales that we had this week for soybeans, for example, um, very, very strong exports. We think that we're going to have to see these balance sheets not only domestically but also globally uh, tighten up further here as we evolve through the next couple months. And then we're going to be finding out a lot more uh, about whether or not Ukraine can get this crop planted, uh, what they can do for management for the winter wheat crop that's already in the ground. Uh, so we have a lot of things still coming at us here in the next four to six weeks. Jim, as you look at over the report and that information, what stuck out to you as kind of a, a key star that you want to kind of keep an eye on in the next couple months? Well, I think Brian said it best. It's the demand side of the equation. What we're seeing is we saw the best week of export sales last week on yesterday's announcement. I think when you look at all the grain that's not been able to get shipped out of Ukraine, you're going to see that export number continue to increase. It's going to drive that ending stock down probably closer to 1.1 when it's all said and done. That should help firm up the bull spreads. Beans are the same thing as Brian said. As this South American crop continues to erode, CODAB number was lower than ours. If they're correct in that, I don't know how the world does not come in and start buying our beans as well as our bean oil because of the lack of sunflower oil coming out of the Ukraine as well. Lots of things that we've been checking out in, in this market. And we talk about everything that's been happening within Ukraine. And you brought up, Brian, the fact that, you know, we don't know what's going to happen to this crop. We know that they're short on fuel. Some are even short on manpower because their, their men are being taken off the farms to help fight this war with Russia. It adds a lot of pressure to already a market that's dealing with some struggles. Right, Susan. So uh, when you think about what has happened domestically and uh, the worker shortages, and now you have a completely different scenario in the Ukraine where you have uh, males that are 60 and under, uh, you know, are, are being given arms and, and uh, taking up arms to fight Russia. And so we have bridges that are being blown. We have, uh, you know, railroad uh, issues. We have fuel shortages. Uh, we'd mentioned the manpower shortages. And so then... What does that evolve into over the next couple of weeks? 
can we actually plant a crop? I think some of the crop will get planted, but it most likely will not be the full type of acreage that we'd be looking for. Um, and then how can that, that crop be treated moving forward? Are we going to have the fertilizer we need? Um, and Jim had alluded this to this before we started taping, is if you have a shortage uh, in the corn crop, for example, this year, we're going to have seed shortages for next year's crop. Um, so the price of seed is going to be an issue moving forward uh, and, and the, the, the crop ahead. Uh, so there's a lot of, that's going to happen in the next four to six weeks that is going to have a, a tremendous impact on the global market. And that's before we even start talking about our own domestic weather market, which we know is going to be extremely volatile this year, Susan. It is. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. I want to ask you, uh, from a food shortage scare with everything that's happening in Ukraine, is that a possibility? When we look at that, that's a breadbasket right there in that region. It is a legit problem, Susan. When you think about where that is, a third of the world's wheat supply does come out of that part of the Ukraine and Russia. But it's not just that. Look at the United States. We know the drought monitor. It's droughts raging in the western part of the United States. The crop ratings are suggesting there's no way we're going to have a record or trend yield, let alone a record yield. And now last week we had China coming out saying their crop is under production. So the world food is under stress. And if you look back historically, when wheat prices get really, really high, we see a lot of instability un around the world in the Middle East because a lot of wheat is imported to feed those people. Inflation is high in the United States, but it's high everywhere and that is a real concern i think for all governments you know they talk about hindsight being 2020 do you think we would have seen the wheat prices when you look back you know four or five months ago no, I, I don't think you would have saw that. Like I said, a lot of this respect has to do with what's going on in the Ukraine at this point in time. But we probably would have been off the lows. Like I said, the market is really getting concerned about this winter wheat and a lack of precip over the winter. A lot of producers talking to me here at the Commodity Classic. That is a big concern for those guys in Kansas. We definitely want to come back and talk about uh, Commodity Classic. But you hinted at fertilizer. You talked about fertilizer prices before we started this program. We need the fertilizer. We need it, and the reality is it's a big problem. Russia is the biggest exporter of fertilizer in the world. Belarus, which is really working with Russia right now, so don't be surprised to see restrictions out of Belarus, is number six. And if we can't get fertilizer in not just the United States, but the rest of the world, it's hard to get trend yields. And if you look at the corn acres, you plant 90, 91 million acres of corn, we're going to need a record yield, which is essentially trend yield of 177, tying this last year's crop, just to meet the anticipated demand, which may be understated. So... How do you get that trend yield if you can't fertilize the crop? And that's a legit concern. I was talking to some producers here at Commodity Classic, Brian, that said, hey, you know, we're used to higher fuel prices. Last time we had higher fuel prices, we had some decent yield numbers coming in so we can make up the difference. But then you add this fertilizer level to it, it kind of adds a whole new level to the marketing plan. It does. And uh, one of the things that uh, our business partner, Matt Bennett, spoke about uh, at the early riser meeting yesterday morning was, you know, how do you navigate that? Um, and, and so you don't want to ignore the price levels that we're at right now because we know that these are very good levels historically and the rug could get pulled out at any time because of something that maybe has nothing to do with the fundamentals of corn and soybeans. Maybe it's a macroeconomic event. So you don't want to just sit there willy-nilly and, and not have any coverage, but you also don't want to get overextended, especially from a physical standpoint uh, when you have let's say quite a bit of, of HTAs out there, hedge to arrives. Um, and these are physical commitments. And so maybe you thought, hey, I w I'd like to get half of my crop sold. But then you look at some of the weather forecasts moving forward, 
and that 50% of your anticipated crop could very well turn into 70% or 80%. So um, if you are going to go physical heavy in your marketing plan, it makes a lot of sense to maintain some kind of call options to give you some additional upside uh, to add to that. Um, but it's also at a, at a price point here where we don't want to negate the downside. And I think you could see corn go up a dollar or down a dollar, depending on how things shake out in the next few months, and neither would surprise me at this point. All right, as we continue here with the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, it's being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Let's talk commodity classic a little bit, Jim, because we've got great opportunity with producers here uh, giving you their insight as to what they're seeing out in their fields and maybe some marketing concerns they have for this coming year. Well, yeah, I think the two insights I think you get is a lot of questions we keep asking us, how high are we high enough for corn prices going higher? That really is a hard question to answer when you look at where we are, supply demand factor. But that's definitely a concern. I think Brian said it best that you, you want to try to mitigate risk. The other thing I think really is on the producer's mind is weather right now. Everyone is very concerned about how dry this winter is. In 2011, we were dry. We're drier now than we were going into the drought year of 2012, and that is a legit concern. You take it in the fertilizer prices, and all of a sudden you have a smaller crop, your input costs, and maybe the break-evens, which look fantastic on paper, are evaporate if you don't have a crop. So uh, it's a legit concern right now for producers. So we see some pressure coming from, from the cattle side of it because they might not have the feed stuff. We're going to move some cows to market early because there just isn't the ability to keep them. Well, I think that's what you're going to see. I think long range, you're going to see this cattle market tie, supply tight and plain and simple. I, you're just going to see as these cattlemen sell their livestock, they're just not going to refill their stockyards due to the high feed costs. You're going to see it, and I think in all livestock, it's this situation. This is what the market's goal is to do right now. It's two things these high-priced corns are doing. It's trying to encourage acres, but it's also trying to ration demand, and you are going to start seeing that rationing demand. Unfortunately, when that happens, it's going to be more expensive for the consumer down the line as that supply tightens. But that's just, you know, that's what the market's goal is right now. Well, Brian, we talked during the Fontenelle Final Bell this week. Uh, it's kind of nice to see the higher prices for these feeder cattle. But at the same time, corn price has been up. But it was kind of an even on, on a Friday trade. It was. That's something that uh, we haven't been able to do that recently is get uh, both markets higher. Um, the feeder market's been very responsive to the higher corn board over the last week and a half to two weeks. Uh, you know, we recently gapped lower um, and, and due to the, the strength that we had in corn earlier in the week. So it was very nice to see the feeder cattle market, um, you know, not only a little bit higher today, but a, a few bucks higher. Um, and so I think in the long run, when you look at what happened in 2012, for example, we talked about how the high price of corn had that long-lasting effect on cattle, and, and two years later, we saw record cattle prices. And I think you're going to see, as Jim had mentioned, um, we're not in an expansionary environment. We're in a constricting environment. And uh, as we look at some of these deferred cattle contracts down the road into some of the 2023s, uh, we should see some, some higher levels to come yet and potentially revisit some of those record highs made in 2014. So I'm curious, as you look at what's happening in this market, what's going to be your go-to watch over the next couple of weeks? Well, right now, I think if you are looking at things from a marketing standpoint, um, you just want to continue to, to look at your uh, your expectations for your crop, uh, stay on top of your, your, your costs to grow the crop, and um, make sure that you're, you're doing a good job of protecting your break-even levels or your profitability levels, but also allowing upside. Now, as far as what we're going to be watching in the marketplace, I think the, the thing in the next, let's say, four to six weeks is going to have the biggest impact on global values is going to be the, uh, the Ukrainian scenario and whether they can get a crop in the ground, um, because if they can't, you're looking at a, uh, a crop 
not a crop failure in Brazil, but we took an awful lot of crop off the production in, in Brazil because of the drought there. Uh, we've got the issue with sunflowers, and if we can't get a corn crop in the ground there, we're going to have big, big, big problems moving forward. All right. Sorry, Jim. We didn't get to get your, your top points, but that has been this week's report. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. And that's the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.